Okay. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this brand new podcast where a current and an ex-student athlete sit down and have real discussions with other student athletes and ask the questions that nobody really asks. My name is Ariana Fernandez. And I'm Maya Falcon. And today we have another very special guest. She is a highly decorated dancer who I actually went to elementary and high school with. It is an honor to have her here with us today on the pod. And she is currently wrapping up her first year of the Fine Liberal Arts Program at Juilliard Performing Arts School in New York. Kellis Robinson. Hi, Kellis. Hi. How's it going? It's good. But thanks for joining us today. We're super pumped to have you, especially considering that you are our first dance student athlete on the podcast. Yay. So we'll dive right into it. What is your current kind of the school and your living situation? Like, how do you handle, how's your schedule different from high school than it is now, now that you're in university at Juilliard, a very prestigious uh, performing arts school? I definitely feel like I have a lot more time to decompress after um, the day is done, just because instead of having school like 8 a.m. to 2.30 every day and then dance 4.45 to 10.30. I kind of have that in the daytime and I have the night to kind of decompress depending on the schedule just because co- like in COVID times we have kind of like a resting time situation so we don't have a lot of studio space to go in and do our classes in person so it's yeah. kind of spread throughout the course of the day. I do have a lot of time to kind of venture out and like kind of explore my things about myself just because with that extra time I feel like I have so I have so much freedom and back at yeah. school I felt like I was just always I felt like like I don't know it just felt very military like always on the same like schedule yeah. and I feel like you must have felt like that as well with like swimming and stuff like that so here it just feels like I have more freedom and I feel like I have the time to kind of venture out and explore new like creative um, activities that I never really had the chance to before that's awesome yeah I feel like, I mean, like I, so I go to school and I'm also doing swimming, but it's, I feel like for a lot, a, a lot of people who go to at least the States for school, it's almost like the opposite. Like, at least for me, when I went to school in the States, I felt like I, I, I feel like I do have more freedom, but I feel like my schedule is very strict. Like I have to, like, I feel like your schedule in high school is literally my schedule at school. So I feel like, I guess it's different for an arts program because it is what you're doing. It's what you're there to do, you know? So honestly, that's really interesting. And I think that's so cool that you're able to work that into your schedule. And you're, I bet your professors are really understanding of, you know, obviously this is your passion. This is what you're good at. So they'll be like, yeah, yeah, you do you girl, you know? <laughs> yeah. They're very understanding, especially that's awesome. um, they understand that like um, people's mental like, capacity is like very different now in COVID time. So mm-hmm. they're very understanding yes. about essays and like time. <laughs> like timing for like different assignments so that definitely helps a lot and like in high school I I was so afraid to kind of explain to teachers like I I'm gonna try my best to get this in I'm gonna try Mm -hmm. my best to get this essay in but I just might want some more sleep and like might not want to fall asleep (laughs) at 2 a.m in the morning that night and it in and they're always like oh just miss dance or or just skip it and like I I can't skip it you just can't don't get it yeah 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 Yeah. it's it's just not an option 
Yeah. It, what's, di- what's different about, there's obviously a lot of differences between dance mm-hmm. and swimming or like any other um, sport like that, is that with dance, you have obviously like solos. I'm speaking as if I'm like a dancer mm-hmm. and that I know, but I know <laughs> that you have solos, but then there are also like dances you have with other people and having that one person missing from that is... Mm-hmm that makes it difficult on everyone else because mm-hmm. that part or you are part of that dance and you're missing. Right. So you have people, you, while you're also relying on yourself to, you know, be diligent and commit to your sport. There are also other people that are relying on you to show up to rehearsal and do your part. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're also paying so much for it that like yeah. you, if like you can't, you don't want to miss it. And also I feel like dance is seen as like a hobby like students that I was in class with would be like oh do you just twirl around when you go to your studio I'm like I I definitely don't just twirl around in my in my classes like I'm there for five hours sometimes more often more than five hours if we have like a different situation going on but we definitely do more than that but it's just so difficult to explain to them that no this isn't just a hobby like this is hopefully going to be a career I can't just miss it and um, I don't want to tell them straight to the face that I value dance more than yeah. these test taking strategies that we learn in, in high yeah. school. Mm-hmm. But it, it's so difficult to kind of commu- communicate with them that I, I prefer to focus on my dancing, even though like I, I still try hard in academics. Like I still of got course, everything yeah. in on time. I had like, I had pretty good grades. Like I, I try not to get lower than an 80 because I just didn't like seeing that on like my report card. Yeah. But it was just so difficult to explain. And they're so understanding for other like sports that had like a tournament this day, but you can explain that. I was actually at a competition in a Buffalo from Thursday to, sa- mm-hmm. to Sunday and I got home Monday at 1 a.m. in the morning and I just didn't have time for this like thing of homework yeah, yeah. go ahead Ariana. I, oh, yeah, okay. I, I had a little thought yeah <laughs> um, kind of going off what you said about um not being able to miss a practice on days I'm sure I feel like every kind of athlete kind of goes through that there are days where you truly can't go because either mental health or you're sick, or for some reason, you just can't go, what did you do on those days? Like, how did you motivate yourself to go to dance? And how did you motivate yourself to kind of keep going through those hard days? Well, at the studio, at the studio I went to, you didn't really have much of a choice. You you kind of just yeah. have to show up, <laughs> mm-hmm. regardless of your state. But there's like some, there's some pros and cons to that, of course, like there's pros and cons to everything. But mm-hmm. it kind of just like, taught me to power through especially um like my parents are driving home uh to like missing work to kind of bring me like I don't really have a choice to not go if you're sick like you kind of just power through of course if you're contagious like you stay home yeah but if you have an injury you kind of just go and maybe like sit on the side if if it if your injury like is that severe but you kind of just have to power through and it's helped me in ways where in school, I was like, okay, there's a test tomorrow. I, I can't ask for an extension. I kind of just have to do it. Like you, there's just some things that you have to accept. And honestly, throughout that time, I never really had a mindset or kind of quote that I said to myself to kind of get me through it. I just knew that I had to. And I knew that what I was doing was worthwhile, that I, in the end, I would be happy that I did it, even though it was in the moment, you're just like, I, I, I don't know why I'm doing this. Why, why can't I just go home? But mm-hmm. all in all, you know that you're you're doing what you love. So yeah. at the end of the day, you're 
you just spend your time doing that. So that's kind of what helped me get through. That's awesome. Which is so important. Like we've talked about it before is that when you have those days, maybe where you are sick or, you know, you're just not up to it or, you know, you're going to practice or rehearsal and you know, you just have loads of homework waiting for you when you get Mm -hmm. home. You just have to remember like Ariana mentioned in previous episodes, like focus on what your goal is or what motivates you mm-hmm. and remember why you do what you do, right? Like you do it because you love it. We, we mm-hmm. Ariana and I swam because, or swim because we love it, mm-hmm. right? So um, I think that was really, that's really important. And um, I think for me anyways, too, like as long as swim practices were, like we had some pretty lengthy practices, like a five hour, six hour rehearsal day, more than that, that's a long time to stay focused for, you mm-hmm. know, and do what you do. So I definitely commend you and all other dancers for that and <laughs> everything else that you guys do. But um, that's, I mean, I'm sure I'm awesome. sure you guys get I'm sure you guys get breaks and stuff throughout. Oh, because no, that's 100%. a long time to just be dancing. Sometimes. For. Yeah. Sometimes. <laughs> really? Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, I sometimes we'd get like a 30 minute break, sometimes 15. Sometimes your break is just changing clothes between classes. Um, I also, I really don't remember that many breaks, maybe one day, like maybe two days a week, like, or if this schedule were to change for some reason, like um, a guest was brought in, maybe we'd have a break, but Mm -hmm. not a lot of breaks. That's a long time to be. Oh my gosh. That's a long time to be like dialed in focused for. I I mean, I'm saying that for like, from, from my point of view, I have the attention span of a goldfish, so I can't focus for very long. Like (laughs) I focus for two minutes and then I'm tapped out. Like even sometimes during swim practice, I I'm physically there, but I'm mentally in Bora Bora. Like I'm just, I can't focus. (laughs) So, I mean, that's awesome that you're able to do that. I I don't, I good for you, girl. I just, I could not. (laughs) it is definitely very difficult like sometimes you just find yourself spaced out like staring I bet in a mirror like staring at the teacher but (laughs) yeah I gotta try to stay as present as you can but those days where like I have a calculus test tomorrow and I'm like reviewing the formulas in my head in class sometimes like Mm -hmm. it's very draining but I feel like it's very revealing as to like what your like current mental state is like you you can kind of yeah you get like a guess to where you are and what you kind of need like do you need some more sleep here even though that's not always possible you know like Mm -hmm. yeah um, you can you can kind of understand like where you are in like a space and how you can kind of cope around that it's important. You're right. There are days where you just know you need more sleep, but maybe it's not quite possible, but it's, it's, it's the, it's the act of actually just recognizing and acknowledging it to be able to see what you can do to maybe try and fit whatever you need in. Because as a student athlete and as a, at a dancer, when there, as a dancer at Juilliard, when there's a lot of expectations, that's important because not everything is always going to go your way. You're probably going to be busy most days most weeks you know so it's important to find those like even if it's just five minutes to just chill and not do anything Mm -hmm. to just regroup so that you can go in back into rehearsal or back into class or studying Mm -hmm. effectively and do what you need to do do what you need to do right exactly because it most certainly is a different life I think also with having something like dance and having a sport as your outlet kind of helps you like you're able to, like, let's say you're stressed out about school or you're stressed out about a class. Sometimes, sometimes is the key word. Sometimes you go there and you leave feeling better than you came in, if that makes sense. 
I Mm -hmm. still kind of struggle with that. There are some days where I'm like, I really don't want to be here, but I leave better than how I was coming in. And I just feel more refreshed. And I feel like I kind of swam through a little bit of my stress. I think it's awesome to have kind of a space to just be able to decompress and do something that you're so passionate about. Kind of going off of mentioning passion. Have you ever felt like you lost your passion for dance or have you always been passionate about it? I have most, for the most part, always been passionate about it. That's kind of why like I've, I went move studios in my high school, like my first year of high school. I worked, I worked very hard, but there was a point last year after I've gotten into like four different dance colleges, I was, I was just thinking to myself, like what happens, what would happen if I just quit dance right now like I never looked back did not go into the dance world like ever again what happened what would happen like I was just like thinking about it and for like quite a while actually I was like what if I just like did not accept anywhere and just quit it just became like a forensic accountant that was always like my backup plan or something like that because I loved math but that's another topic about backup plans but mm-hmm. and dance but and then like after having those thoughts, I kind of went into like an improv, um, which sounds like cheesy, like reconnecting with my passion for dance, but not at all, not at all. Sometimes you you have to kind of, we kind of talked about this on one of our first episodes. Like how do you, like when you, if you ever fall out of love with your passion, with your sport, how do you find your way back? Because obviously there was an an initial love for it. You know, whether you were a kid starting out, I feel like most of us were kids when we start out with our sport, with our outlet, with our passion. Um, How do you kind of go back to that? Because you know, it's something that you initially loved. And then for some reason you fall out of love with it. Sometimes it's important to kind of trace your, trace your steps and see where you kind of fell off because that's, that's actually really cool that you were able to do improv to find your love again, you know? Yeah. And I feel like just having that no judgment kind of like experience really helped me, um, get back on the path that I really, that I really wanted to be on. And honestly, I, I love like all types of dance, not just um, ballet, tap, hip hop, all these like different styles, but mm-hmm. I just think of it all as movement. And I love, like, I want to learn as much movement as I can. And I feel like understanding and reconnecting with that love for just moving and learning different like pieces of choreography and connecting with different dancers and teachers. I was like, I cannot leave this world. Like I, I have to be here. I'm meant to be here. And mm-hmm. I feel you like are. that kind of like clicked. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. You most definitely are. <laughs> I feel like that kind of like clicked in my mind. And I feel like if I ever have those doubts again, I I feel that it's, it's right there in front of me. I can just take a breather, yeah. dance a little bit or watch a piece of dance. And I'm, I'm just reminded every time that this is where I'm meant to be. Yeah, awesome. I think- I think what's so cool too is like because obviously swimming swimming and dance are obviously two very unique sports um dance in the sense that it's also an art right so mm-hmm. typically with an art it's also a form of expression it's hard to like say oh yes I express myself when I swim it, it just doesn't really work you know yeah so, I, swear, I swear underwater when I swim to yeah. like <laughs> I express <No>. myself <laughs> So, um, you know, like, I think what's cool about that is when you do find yourself maybe in like a rut or, you know, just kind of dragging through the mud, not really 
not loving it as much as you used to, you can just take a step back and just do it on your own terms, you know, because it's so there's, like you said, there's so many different kinds of movements and, you know, music that you can do it to that you can really express what you're feeling, whether it's anger, sadness, you know, and express it through your art and your sport, which is dance, which is, I think is so cool. Going back mm-hmm. to, I think you you said something briefly about having going in with no judgment. So like I was saying, swimming and dance are obviously very unique sports, but also they have some similarities. But while swimming is more of a sport on, you know, in the moment performance, it's not like dance in the sense that we get judged. That would be more like diving if we're putting it into aquatic uh, sports. Mm-hmm. The judgment is what determines your success and the results of your sport. From my personal experience, I have many you know, I had some struggles with pre-race nerves, but adding that to the actual result, depending on the opinions and assessments of others in, profe- in art, my sport, like, I, I don't know how I would handle that. So do you ever, do you still experience pre-performance nerves at all? After the pandemic, I will definitely have another fair share of that. But growing up in kind of a competition dance world, we we're on the stage so much um, like if you had 10 pieces, 10 pieces that you're in and you go to a competition, you're doing those 10 pieces on stage for a weekend, about six different competitions a year. That's like about 60 times just that. And then if you have like a solo, maybe you would do that some other times, like you're in front of an audience quite a bit. So, um, my first like few years doing competition dance, I definitely had a, a great deal of nerves, but as I kind of got comfortable on the um, on stage and had my like pre-performance ritual going I I kind of like I definitely was not as nervous as I was before although my nerves would depend on the venue I would be in how many people would be watching is, is this going to be recorded or are people going to see this after but yeah. I try not to think about that until after because I just like to keep like a clear head space going into it um, I'd never really get nervous until I'm about to walk on and start and that's like literally walking onto the stage is where I get my nerves and as soon as I start like they just they're just gone but it's it's so weird because before um growing up I would literally I wouldn't be able to talk to anybody like just in my own corner doing my own thing listening to music but then like the past few years I I'm like goofing off backstage like warming up <laughs> talking to people um because I feel like there's like a sense of comfortability that I built but sometimes that comes and goes but for the most part I, I just try not to think about it too hard and like in the in the grand scheme of things this isn't gonna matter like in a few years why mm-hmm. why be so nervous about it obviously it's it takes a lot of vulnerability to be dancing you're kind of putting yourself on a stage for several people to to judge you and forms of opi- form opinions about you but you you just can't think about that and it's easier said than done of course but mm-hmm. I feel like it, a lot of experience <laughs> on I was stage gonna say definitely yeah has definitely helped that so yeah. there's, like, there's I, some definitely sh- advantages of being a competition dancer. Yeah, for sure. I was going to say, like, I'm sure your first time on stage w- is not is nothing mm-hmm. compared to the like the last time that you were on stage, you know. But you mentioned with COVID, do you think that you'll experience some uh, pre-performance nerves again because you haven't performed mm-hmm. in a while because of COVID? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Because that like in the competition world, we were on stage from like March to July um just always on stage 
I feel like I'm going to have to regain that sense of comfortability that I lost over COVID. Knowing what I know now and the experience that I have, it won't take as long, but there definitely will be some nerves as to how, how my, and especially because now instead of competition, I'm now in theaters now based on like my, my movement from doing like little conventions and like competitions. I'm now a con considered a concert dancer. So we're in like theaters where there's so many people around you and there's going to be nerves of how to fill, fill the whole theater with your presence. So there's going to mm -hmm. be, yeah. I feel like a new different sense of nerves now, instead of me getting nervous about trying to remember the choreography, it's like, how do I, how do I leave an impact on these people? How do I live on it? How do I leave an impact on this great deal of people that are all around me in this mass theater, like a different yeah. type of nervousness. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, at least like as a swimmer, kind of going off of what you said, like COVID and competitions. I mean, we never, I still, I haven't raced. I haven't competed actually like in a sanctioned meet for about a year now, which has been a long time for, I, I guess, any athlete. But um, like for me, like from my personal experience, like after COVID, we did like mini, like kind of race simulation and I think with any athlete, with any dancer, you kind of hold yourself to a standard, at least for me, like my experience with that after COVID racing, quote unquote, racing for the first time, I was not nervous, but I, I expected so much from myself and I raced and I just did not meet those expectations. And I was heartbroken because I was like, I cannot believe like I, in my mind, I really thought that I was, I don't know what I thought, like that I was going to break an Olympic record. That's not what was going to happen, <laughs> but that's what I like in my mind. Like I was like, I'm going to do so well. And I just didn't do that. But I guess it, once you get into it again, um, it, those feelings of competing, uh, pre pre-performance nerves, I get that real bad. Like pre-performance anxiety is so real, at least for me, like I feel it and it depends on what race, but like I get, like there are just some days where I just get really anxious about a race and it's really hard for me to cope with it and wrap my head around what I'm about to do. I think any athlete might experience this just getting back out there. It takes a lot of courage to do that because you've gone a whole year just with such a different environment with COVID and you just don't really know what to expect. But it, as an athlete, you hold so much expectation for yourself. So I completely get that. I think what's also important is that while those, especially after COVID for both you and um, Kellis, is that you are right, you'll probably will experience the pre-performance nerves and stuff like that. But it's, I think it's important to come back to, again, like we said, remember why you dance and why you swim because or wh why you do whatever you do, because you love it. And that feeling that it gives you when you either finish a performance, during your performance, after your race, whatever, but also trusting yourself and within you because mm -hmm. you've been doing this your whole life right and just because you know something kind of threw a wrench in your scheduling while there's still going to be those nerves and that's completely okay you have to remember like you've done this so many times right so it, I, I, I don't know when I was swimming that's kind of what helped me I'm not gonna lie I I, I also had a lot of pre-performance nerves and stuff like that a lot and I think everyone but, does to some extent yeah, of course you know, like it's mm -hmm. when you care about something so much and you're so passionate about it you want to do well of course you're going to want to do mm -hmm. well and it's hard to get rid of that but I think one thing that's mm -hmm. I'm still working at it I'm not saying I'm perfect but one thing that has helped me whenever I've kind of felt anxious or nervous before a race is that one, remembering why I love it. And two, 
for me, I love training, but I also love the feeling of racing. Sometimes it's a little hard to remember that, but I, I, I think, Kellis, you might experience the same thing. Like whenever you perform that feeling that it gives you, it's just something that not many things can give you that feeling, you know, like mm -hmm. for me, like when I step up on the blocks, that feeling right before when you take a breath and you, you know, and then you dive in that that's what I love just going out there and kind of doing my thing. That's what I always loved about racing and competing. Um, but I think that's one thing, like if you've ever kind of struggled like now to compete, kind of remember like why do you love it like what are there are definitely good things that have come out of racing and competing and performing like what is that you just kind of have to find that so like with any sport there's often a physique associated with being part of a sport I know with being a swimmer you kind of hear that term oh swimmer's body um yeah. swimmer's but, body yeah right <laughs> oh god <laughs> what are your thoughts on that what do you think about it oh there there's definitely um dancers physique and that is I feel like that's definitely plagued the entire dance community and I feel like that's kind of yeah. being put on blast now with kind of this like social media movement now um it's kind of being highlighted but it is so it is so prominent like and people don't think I feel like dancers are really good at hiding their their insecurities because 100% I don't yeah, I 100% I I agree with that. Why. Yeah, I don't quite know why or like the logic behind it, but I feel like we're so good at hiding it and we'll kind of like joke about it like, oh, I look so I look so fat here or this mirror makes me look so big. But in reality, <laughs> no one is really like, I don't, I don't even know how to put it. It's just it's so toxic and mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I feel like everybody kind of struggles with it and nobody really knows how to help one another with it because we all kind of struggle with it um, within ourselves. And even those jokes that we make about it, like, oh, oh, I look so big here. And we're kind of like looking for reassurance and hopefully hoping someone's yeah. going to say, oh, you don't look big here. Instead of that, it's like, oh, me too. And that kind of just continues this cycle of like this like body dysmorphia and um, unhealthy relationships with their bodies and people will say oh I just ate like a big meal last night I can't eat all day today and you th you think they're joking but they're they're serious they will not mm -hmm. eat it's it's just so it's so scary because I even see it within myself but I feel like coming to terms with that and understanding that you kind of struggle with this body dysmorphia in this dance community is like one one big step I knew that in high school there was a point I don't know which year I kind of try not to think about it but um <laughs> there's a point where like for breakfast I would have like a slice of toast and like a thin layer of peanut butter and then all I'd have like bring to school with me was like an apple for lunch and then I'd eat like a snack before dance and then dinner after dance and like that was all I ate in a day and I'm like first of all like you're walking between classes like um so that's exercise there and then like, going to dance it's like hard intense exercise for five hours like you're mm. you're gonna need more than just an apple for lunch and like a, like a small breakfast and yeah. and a dinner that's you're gonna need a lot more and I feel like that's not really talked about a lot and as I feel like it should be brought up a lot more people that should be talking about it like studio directors and like different teachers aren't really bringing that into conversation and they are kind of also a part of these jokes like oh you don't you're not supposed to bring this type of food into the class um yeah. and I feel like that just kind of kind of leaves a lot of room for 
dancers to kind of feel insecure about their bodies yeah. and especially in the ballet world like I'm I'm not that, as in the ballet that was world. the first that sorry that was like the first type of dance I thought of when we brought this up I was like yeah. ballet that was the first one that I thought mm-hmm. of 100% I'm not as in the ballet world as like people at ballet schools and stuff but I I do ballet so I definitely have my fair share of like understanding um where people are coming from um but it's so scary because you see these like dancers like starving themselves and you think that you think it's like just you'll see it on tv and you're like oh this is just a tv show but it's like real and like just such unhealthy relationships with their bodies is so scary because like I understand that that was me as well and I was like kind of going down this like dark path of like not not liking my body in the way it was and even if people people would be like oh Kellis like you have so so much muscle like I love your body like I I guess it's like a compliment but I never took it as such I was like wow I'm so muscular wow I how can I lose this muscle like and especially in high school it didn't help that a lot of the people didn't understand that so in like grade nine, I was very, very, very skinny. Like I was, I think I was just naturally very skinny as a, as a teenager, but there's like comments from classmates, like, oh, Kellis, you're like, um, you're so muscular. Like, oh, you're like a bodybuilder. And that like got to me like unconsciously. Mm-hmm. And I remember like exactly, like it was like a joke. And obviously these people were my friends, but I remember vividly, like it getting to me and like, I was so, conscious about what I ate and how I was trying to lose a muscle like as ridiculous as it sounds I was trying to lose it to like look less manly and I I feel like that comes more than just having an unhealthy relationship with my body just having a bad mental state in general but now now that I've come to terms with that I've I've definitely been like taking care of my body more but there are still like times where I look in the mirror and I'm just like do I actually look like this? And there's also like yeah. a whole like thought of how you never really know what you truly look like because like you look different in different mirrors and then yeah. in pictures you look different. So your perception is just everywhere of how you look and you it's just so I don't I don't even know how to explain it. It's no, just I get that. I get that one hundred percent. Yeah. And especially going on social media too, at least this is kind of my oh. point of view. It is really hard. It's so hard. I can't imagine being a dancer, but at least being a swimmer. If I'm honest, I hate going on social media sometimes because you see so being an athlete you your body will look different naturally of course you're gonna have muscle you're gonna be leaner in some places for me I'm a butterflyer my shoulders are pretty wide growing up like they just got even broader and broader and broader and I do not like the way I look in tube tops because I feel like I look like the Hulk but I've learned to kind of it took me some time to kind of learn to kind of love my body for the way that it is and you know the way that I'm able to move and the way that I'm able to perform and compete um it, uh, there are definitely days where I do hate my body and it's because I, I, at least for me, I compare myself to people on social media. You see people like models, um, at least for me over quarantine, I gained weight. I think that was natural, but I gained weight and I was so unhappy with it. Realistically, I didn't actually gain that much weight, but my mind was telling me I'm, I'm big and I've, and I'm 
like I, it was hard to kind of cope with that because you have all of you're comparing yourself to people that you see every day on social media and you want to look a certain type of way, but kind of, like you said, your image of yourself is kind of skewed. How do you really look? You won't really know because you're looking in a mirror, but you also look different to other people and you want to look this kind of way that everyone praises. And it's hard because you're like, how do I, I just want to be that. I think something to remember is that like, you're in the body that you're in and whether you like it or not, you have to learn to love it because you're able to do things with your body that not many people are able to do, if that makes sense. And like, I I think for me, something that's helped me is just appreciating the things that I'm able to do with my body, that I'm able to do something that I love so much, you know? And going off of um, like, I guess what both of you said, I think with swimming, obviously, you're very exposed like you're in a swimsuit all the time right and like that's the you know air quotes uniform for it right and um there's not much you can really do about that right so and with dance kind of the same thing I know you guys um are in leotards yeah exactly you know it's a lot of tight clothing so that you're able to move freely and another thing with dance is that you know especially nowadays I feel like it's it's a lot of revolved around social media like I see I see your Instagram Kellis and that's where you make your name for yourself right because that's kind of like your profile to people who don't get to see you dance every day right and by the way your Instagram is is fire like I love it it's so cool <laughs> yes but, um, I was going through it before this podcast and I was like are you kidding me I can't yeah. remember. I was like, wow. I was like this is so sick you know um but like you know it, I it's so much about the performance of it not even the performance of being of the actual routine and the dance itself but it's just of your appearance right like swimming isn't too much about your appearance it's 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 it you race and if you go that time that's it you know like there is some appearance to it but with dance it's about what you look what you look like doing your dance what you look like in your you know like your headshots your your the pictures that you put out there and like as hard as it is just as a normal teenager dealing with body image and everything like that as someone who does an art and as a sport um that must be very difficult and like you were saying I'm glad that you've recognized that you know it's not really that it's not talked about as much as it should be especially amongst your leaders who are the ones that you guys really look up to and look for guidance to for sure um kind of going off of that I know you kind of mentioned sometimes in the environment that you were in it wasn't it wasn't talked about enough. Did you ever feel like your teachers or even directors were kind of part of that toxic environment surrounding body image and um, even fueling yourself? Um, I don't want to say that they they weren't um, a part of that because I feel like my teachers always wanted the best for for us of as course. students. Mm-hmm. But I feel like there there may be some things that they're sometimes unconsciously a part of like for example there's like no breaks between five hours of five hours of dance and you you can't really bring snacks into the studio like you're kind of you're you're really hungry at some points like you might have a snack before but you can't eat too much because then you'll feel like heavy going into class like that whole bunch of food in your stomach and sometimes I only have like 45 minutes between school and dance so I have to have some type of snack but not a big one and then you're kind of at the studio for five hours and you're like, okay, like I need a snack. And you kind of have to shove like food in your face between classes. And I feel like that feeling of like hiding, you like hiding what you're eating and kind of like doing it with other teachers seeing is kind of feeds into 
that idea of being afraid to like eat, Mm -hmm. but I feel like there's so many things that unconsciously go into, I guess that category, but in general, I'm trying to think. I think you're so right. Like I'm not in no which way am I trying to like knock your directors or teachers or whatever, but I think it's just part of today's culture, which is so Mm -hmm. crazy to say. And so terrible but you know like it's the idea that a lot of like it's almost like trendy you know I for a lack of a better word it's trendy to not eat diet culture Mm -hmm. diet yeah the Mm -hmm. diet culture or and your your teachers not that they want I'm sure they love you to death and they're there to support you but it's the subtle comments like oh is that are you eating like a granola bar like yeah yes Mm -hmm. I'm eating a granola bar you know it's it's Mm -hmm. it seems like a very harmless comment but all it takes is one comment and mm-hmm. then it's okay for that person to say, this person to say. And then as we see it right now, it's completely okay for anyone to say. But I think now more than ever, we're addressing it saying that like, it's not really funny. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a legit problem and it's not yeah. as harmless as people may think it is. You know, it's no, none of your teachers or directors fault or really anyone says it nowadays, but it, it's, you know, it's, it's just become such a norm that it seems like it's the right thing or the normal thing to say when mm-hmm. in reality, it's just really not. Yeah. I feel like, of course, we want to eat healthy and that's always a goal. And I feel like definitely of course. talk about it if your students are eating or bringing in junk food all the time. But I feel like bringing in like, I don't know, McDonald's or something is better than not eating, even though it's not healthy. And so these comments about like, don't bring that into my studio or or if I bring like a whole big lunch like box to dance because I have a big day, I feel like I feel like that's just something you don't need to comment on. And I feel like there's so many other like topics of conversation that we don't need to comment on people's food and people's bodies. Like there's just like talk about how their day went. Like just I feel mm. like this is that's just a topic that we can steer clear of completely. It's not that big of a deal just to completely not talk about it at all. Mm. Talk about it in ways that are not beneficial not productive in in that sense in a positive way you know like instead of saying like oh not instead of knocking someone for bringing in a lunch bag that's like decently big because they have a long day maybe step back and think like oh yeah she has like a 12-hour day like she's gonna be hungry you know Mm -hmm. like obviously she's gonna have to eat it's the idea of like not eating because of whatever which reason Mm mm-hmm yeah you know like we're humans like we need that fuel that is our fuel yeah. right so it's Im- it's important for us to eat I just distinct- gonna say Ariana? I distinctly remember being in high school and I god bless my mother I love her shout out my mom but she <laughs> would pack my lunch and she would okay I'm not gonna lie she did this up until high school okay that's why I'm saying I love you mom <laughs> thank you and like I would go to practice in the morning I didn't have enough time to pack my lunch bag so she would do it for me god I love her um yeah would pack my lunch and she would give me so many snacks and I needed them because like I have in total per week I don't know how many hours I trained but it was a lot and my body just could not keep up with it unless I had food so I remember going to high school with always like a thermos lunch and sometimes I would have two lunches I would go to the plaza like beside my school and buy lunch because I was still hungry plus my snacks and I remember people used to comment and be like Ariana you eat so much I just hated when people commented on how much I was eating I was like okay I'm hungry like yes. what do you want me to do like I, mm-hmm. I I literally trained up and I like I woke up at four and I trained up until like 7 30 and I'm hungry and now I have to train again after this like what do you want me to do about it I need to eat you know yeah 
And sometimes you just have to listen to your body. If it's telling you to eat, listen to your body. Like that is so important. If you're hungry, don't listen to what other people are telling you because I'm going to have my poutine or my granola bar if I want it, (laughs) you know? Yeah. (laughs) Like I genuinely, or I would like to believe that they're not really out to hurt you, but -hmm. because it's just such a norm, like you really don't need to mention how much someone is eating. It's just really not, it's not relevant. Mm -hmm. They're eating, they're fueling themselves. Mm -hmm. Good for them. And you don't know what they did before class. Like they don't know that you went to practice or Kellis. They don't know that you haven't, you've been in class all day and you're hungry before dance and you feel like you need something to eat. Like it's just, I don't know. I, I, I think we're on the right path for kind of getting away from diet culture, but I still mm-hmm. think we're so far away from where yeah. we need to be in order for it to be like a healthy environment or a healthy norm mm-hmm. in our world. I was just going to say that, like, especially on social media, like nowadays, I don't have TikTok, but I like it's all on Instagram mm-hmm. that like now you'll like scroll through and then you'll see this TikTok about want to get abs in like 30 days like click the link or like click the link in my bio and it's yeah. literally everywhere and I'm just like these like TikTok like on TikTok there's these young children and teenagers on TikTok who are growing up in that culture and it's they're so, so impressionable scary. yes mm-hmm. it's it's okay I feel like everyone can say that TikTok has made them laugh or they've learned something from TikTok in their life you know like it's definitely taken off but you know and I'm not trying to knock people with a certain body but that's the kind of body that is promoted on TikTok the algorithm you know and just how it is and how you get famous like a lot to of it look is based a certain off of, way a lot yeah, of it that's how you, you look a certain way ex- exactly mm-hmm. you know and don't get me wrong like they're all beautiful in their own ways you know but at the same time it's hard because it's you just don't see that diversity it's the same thing when like if you could bring it into like a race thing you it just doesn't feel right you know so and it feels like they don't belong so it's the same thing with body image if we're seeing this one body type being promoted and it's just always showing up in your timeline it's the same thing you feel like if you don't look like that nothing you you can't do anything because that's just not how you look right As much as girls experience this, I do believe that guys experience it as well. But I definitely think it's it's very very prominent in a girl's life. Mm-hmm. And I'm not knocking guys; they have the same they they also go through the same thing. But girls especially, because I feel like it's just historically girls are just meant to be looked at. You know, you know, we're these symbolic figures of supposed to be looking a certain way, doing certain things. But mm-hmm. you know, social media definitely doesn't help. But I think it also does help when we do see those activists and people that are promoting, just be you, you know, eat, Mm -hmm. eat that snack that you not, you know, like go out for dinner with your friends, eat what you want. And I think that's important, especially as an athlete, because when dance is over, when swimming is over, when our careers are kind of dying down and they become a little bit more of, you know, just like an average person's life, you're not part of that world anymore, or maybe you are, but not as intensely. So it's important to just be you and have that identity within yourself while you're in the sport but also when your time is coming to an end in your sport or art for Mm -hmm. sure I also think like everyone's relationship at least as an okay everyone in general athletes especially everyone's relationship with food is different you know like not everyone has the same relationship and it's important to be aware of that and just I think with anything that you do in life your actions and your words always have consequences and you never know how they might affect 
someone. So just kind of being aware and, you know, also we, we mentioned this, I feel like I should mention this in every episode, reaching out to someone if you need help. Like if you, if you need help with like maybe from a dietitian, maybe you're not fueling yourself the right way. It's okay to reach out to someone and say, Hey, I need help with this. Same thing goes for therapy. Like if you need to talk to someone, it's okay to reach out to someone and ask for help, you know? Agreed. Exactly. And I feel like now in like, um, our generation that like taking time, like to like focus on yourself and like get help. Isn't as that like, yeah, isn't, isn't like shown as much like we, we glorify like this 21st seven work schedule, like, um, getting that brand never like, stops. On the ground. Yeah. The grind yeah. never stops. Like, uh, Sometimes it, does. it needs to stop. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> yeah. it should stop yeah. just for your yeah. mental health. Exactly. And, like, it's okay to like get help. And, um, I saw this like thing that, or just on social media that you don't have to be like, in a, like your lowest like point before you get therapy, you can, you can get help before you reach yeah like your lowest point and I feel like people don't understand that um and it's also nothing to be ashamed about like I feel like these people these professionals are there for a reason and mm -hmm. you like you don't have to hide it even though it shouldn't there's be no something like no shame yeah there's no shame yeah. no guilt you know and even if it's not like a licensed therapist or whatever even if it's just a friend or mm -hmm. you know a trusted coach or a teacher or whatever or even like even a hotline like they're there for a reason and they're not just there for posters like they're meant to be used so if you feel that you need it go get it whether it's about about your relationship with food your relationship with yourself just life because life is stressful life is not easy mm -hmm. and like talk talk about it do or express it like I know for I'm sure for you Kellis like a lot of dancers or musicians and stuff like that they'll express through their art so do that it's important mm -hmm. to remember that while you are a competitive athlete and you have these high expectations and goals you want to reach it's okay to put those aside for a second and just do what you need to do to make yourself feel better and you like you said you don't have to be at your lowest point you don't really ever want to be at your lowest point like that's not a fun place to be um obviously I feel like there are going to be times in your life when you are at a very low point but you're right you're so right in the um when you say that you don't need to be at your lowest point in order to go to therapy or go get help you don't really want to get to that point and then go get help you kind of yeah. want to do it before that because then it just betters your overall well-being in my opinion anyways or in my mm -hmm. experience for sure I agree Okay. So as we're wrapping up here, this has been amazing, by the way, we're so happy to have you yes. on. Um, but the two, we have two questions that we ask every guest on this podcast. The first one, what is your go-to hype song before performing? Honestly, like growing up in the environment I grew up in, like, it's so weird. Like people like joke about it all the time, but I literally listen to like rap and like trap music before I go on stage and yes. I could be doing like, the most gentle like soft melancholy piece but I will literally like blast in my headphones like rap music I don't yeah it just gets me in the mood like that's, I just <laughs> that's the PK in her yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's the Pickering high school in her I'm yes no <laughs> literally yeah <laughs> is there any any artists specifically or like even lately because I know a lot of people's hype songs and favorite songs change but is there anything right now that you're really into and, and feeling I'm hype about nothing Take like this is an important honest, answer yeah <laughs> honestly like I I can never really pick like a specific song because 
I literally listen to so much, so much music, but my like one of my favorite rap artists is A Boogie with the Hoodie. And like everybody that like knows me <laughs> yeah. knows I love A Boogie with the Hoodie. Yeah. So that's my main one. But also okay. like sometimes I might listen to like more like my mom's and like my parents like age like music, like Stevie Wonder and stuff like that. But yeah. mostly mostly rap music. Love that. That's sick. You know, that's awesome for sure. Our final question for you, Kellis. Um, what does dance mean to you? Dance. That's like such a deep question. And it's so hard because like you don't want to like dilute like what it means to you by like forming it into words. Yeah. But I feel like yeah. it's just, oh, for me, it's a way to kind of like kind of just put myself into like a state of euphoria and just, I don't, it's so, so difficult to answer. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> for me with swimming I love water like Mm I I love it I love when people take pictures of water I just love being in the water the feeling of just gliding through just a different element is is so it just feels so good no matter how fast you're going so Mm -hmm. for you maybe is it like the movement with the the music and stuff like that like what is it about it for me um I love the like the freedom I get from it and the like ability to tell my truth even if it's somebody else's choreography but I also love being able to interact with other people and just like human touch and human connection like we don't really get a a lot of that in COVID anymore like you can't touch in the studios but just being in the space with other people and feeling their energy and like feeling that energy also lifting you up and kind of just changing your mental state your physical state it just it's so exhilarating and not just being in the room with like my classmates who are so inspiring, but just being able to collaborate with other like human beings and being able to kind of discover why they dance and what what it means to them. It's just like, I feel like it's such like an intimate piece of like an intimate art form that yeah. you're, you're like in front of a whole like audience, but you're still like together on stage kind of like, it just like feels like a community and the sense of community kind of just keeps drawing me back and back into it because you all like care for each other I can go on for an hour about what dance means to me but I feel like for one of that is like the the most important I feel like Mm -hmm. that sense of us in this space together like performing to this audience who is paying to see us speak our truth and just be vulnerable that that's kind of what I love that. I love that. I got goosebumps. Oh my God. I love that. To have something that means so much to you that you're so passionate about, I think in whatever you do, like in life in general, to have something that you're so passionate about is amazing. No matter what. To be able to express, you know, in more than words. While words are great, like words can be hard sometimes. Lots of people say (laughs) actions speak louder than words, you know, and sometimes you just have to do it. Like being able to perform it, to live it, to do it is just something else that, you know, words can't even express. So that's amazing. And I I feel like art isn't really, I feel like art is very under, underappreciated Mm -hmm. and everybody like loves to go to the movies and like watch actors, but you don't, you don't really see people talking about like going to see a dance show. And so I feel like continuing this path of art where people always are like so what do you really do what what what's your backup plan and stuff like that I feel like it's also a form of rebellion against like social norms of what we should be doing like people want us to be people want us to be in an office job like sitting down in nine to five and I just like watch 
um, my friend's parents and my parents like sit down and I'm just, and I just think to myself, I am so happy that I don't have to do that. Like, I'm so happy that I, I get to do what I love every day. And just, I just feel that like nowadays we, we need a job, we need money like fast and being able to do what you love, what you love kind of just falls second. And I feel like we should do what we yeah. love first. And then obviously money is always an issue like yeah. in this like capitalist capitalist society but I feel like it's really important to find something that you love and even though people think it's just a hobby I I see it more than that and yeah it most definitely is because if you think about it if you take away music if you take away dance you're taking away all the entertainment everyone consumes you're taking away Mm -hmm. TikTok for one of them you're taking away movies tv shows you know like people really oh like dance is not a real job but it is you know like that Mm -hmm. is so many people's form of entertainment and they just they don't even realize it so like it's I'm so happy for you that you love what you do and that you made like you're at Juilliard like that is a huge thing and I know that's something that I I feel like most dancers but I know especially you are is something you work for and like that's so awesome and I'm um you know I think it's so important you're right that a lot of us are like oh but what I like to do doesn't pay enough Okay, Mm -hmm. so maybe find a way that maybe you can do it on the side or still do it and then maybe find ways, other streams of income that you can do in order to make a living so that you are happy with what you're doing and you love your life and love what you're doing, right? Even in that context too, like, can you imagine being a doctor and not being passionate about it, like not having that passion to help people, you would be a horrible doctor. You would not be helping yeah. anyone. You wouldn't even be helping yourself. You you want people who are there to help you. Same thing goes for whatever profession, whatever you choose to do with your life. As long as it, as long as you love it, as long as you're passionate about it, I don't think you can go wrong because you know if you're passionate about something, you know that you're going to give your full 100% to it because it's what you love. And I think that's mm-hmm. so important. I think not that many people know what to do because they don't, maybe they don't have that passion. They haven't found it yet, but to do something that you love is just a different feeling. Thank you so much, Kellis, for being here with us today. I had so much fun filming this episode. I hope I'm not screaming. I'm just so excited. I loved this episode. I loved having you on the podcast. You're amazing. And we're rooting for you in whatever you do. Um, Just thank you so much for being here today. Yeah. And as as a longtime friend, you know, um, I know what it's like. I know the type, the kind of work you put in. And I'm really happy that everything's kind of coming together for you. And like Ariana said, we're always rooting for you. And thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us, especially about things that aren't always talked about or questions that nobody really asks. And listeners, thank you for tuning in. Um, (laughs) But yes, thank you so much. And we'll see you guys next week, Thursday at 12. Yes. Thanks. Bye. Bye.